Did you know as a female, if you are trying to reach your highest, most thrilling potential and most impact in your work, we are actually faced with something called power gaps. That's right. They are called power gaps. And I have an expert on the podcast today, Kathy Caprino, who you'll hear about in a minute, who is just amazing. She even has her own podcast called Finding Brave. And I love that title. And we're going to talk about Finding Brave as well. And so if you are female in the career world, you are going to want to hear this episode. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, you're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. So today I'm so excited to have with me Kathy Caprino. Kathy is an internationally recognized career and leadership coach. She's a writer, speaker, and educator, and she is dedicated to the advancement of women in business. I mean, what a great topic. I'm thrilled to have her. She is a former corporate VP. She is also a trained therapist, a seasoned executive coach. She's a senior Forbes contributor, a top media source, and the author of Breakdown Breakthrough. And her new book, The Most Powerful You, Seven Bravery Boosting Paths to Career Bliss, is a lot about what we're going to talk about today. She also has her own podcast called Finding Brave. She has books, assessments, coaching programs, courses, and other key resources. Kathy's core mission is to support a Finding Brave global movement that empowers women to close their power gaps and reach their highest, most thrilling potential and impact in their work. We are going to talk about what these power gaps are today and how they might impact you. And if you are female and in the working world, you are going to want to listen to every word. Kathy is a powerhouse. I could have talked to her forever. So with that, here we go. Hey, Kathy, thank you for being with me this morning. It's great having you. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. 
You're such a wealth of information. And I think it's such an important topic. So with my audience, you know, most of the women are working full time and in big careers, you know, but big or small, these are things we're going to talk about today that we all face and have faced. I think that truly, you know, the survey that I did shows that 98% of women are having at least one of these challenges. And, and I see that to be true. So when you're talking about something that universal, hopefully yeah. everyone will resonate with some piece of it, right? I'm sure. I, they I will. mean, I found in the work that I do that, yes, we're incredibly specific and unique and amazing, but so many of our challenges are universal. Very much so. As human beings, right? Yes. So with that, I'll let you just give a brief introduction of yourself to the audience and then we can dig in. Oh, sure. So I've had a kind of a wild arc of a career, you know, 18 years in corporate, then a marriage and family therapist. And now the sweet spot is career coaching for professional women. So I've been doing that 15 years. And part of my world is also writing. I'm a senior Forbes contributor and I've two books out and a podcaster. I love to just give as much information and frameworks and insights and interview other people too, to provide that. So that's where we are. And I think I've worked with, I think over 20,000 women in 15 years in some capacity, mid to high level women across the world. So that's my happy place, helping women, you know, reach their highest potential and, and be joyful and impactful and fulfilled and well compensated all of it in the process. Amazing. So we're going to talk about the premise of your book, The Most Powerful You, and these power gaps that you talk about. And they really resonated. I mean, I think you could resonate with all of them, some of them, but it's so amazing what you talk about. And I think that Let's start maybe by defining for the audience what a power gap is, and then we'll kind of get into it. What I'd they love are. to do that. And, you know, I can go on and on. So get the hook and shut me up. But no, I'm want, all right. <laughs> okay. I want to give a little bit of the context of where this book came from, if I could. So again, working all these years with women, a few years ago, I said, what is going on here that no matter what level the woman no matter what country she lives in, no matter the education, the socioeconomic level, the industry, she is bringing the same kinds of challenges. Mm. I really had a breakthrough moment and I said, I, I need to understand more. So I took a few years, mm. it took a while to look at these interviews I was having, look at the coaching sessions and understand two things. What is it that they're missing in their lives and work that they're mm. coming to me for coaching help? And what is it that they're yeah. getting in the coaching that yeah. creates a breakthrough? So what I found was this, that women are missing. Now, I need to say this. I am not painting all women with the same brush. We're not all the same. Right. Men have these experiences too, but when you work with this many people and hear from this many people, it's trends that are you know research-based. What I saw is this, women tend to be missing two things, mm -hmm. bravery and power. Let me explain. Bravery in my definition is having the courage to face head on and take accountability for what is not working in our lives. That's to get out of denial, to say, okay, I look at it, I see it, and I have the ability to change it. It's so important, but bravery isn't enough. Mm -hmm. It's power that we are missing, mm -hmm. internal and external power. What is that? It's the ability to be a change agent 
the author of your own life, to uplift yourself, to have the control and power to do that, Mm -hmm. and also to uplift others. So in looking at that, I said, okay, wow, now let me dimensionalize this even more. What does it mean to be missing power? And what I found are these seven damaging power gaps. And later I did a survey yeah, statistically significant. And it showed that 98% of women are having at least one of these gaps and 75% have three or more. 90% of men have them from my survey. Yeah. But as we were talking about earlier, women internalize these differently. Yes. They, they're more damaging internally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. shall I share what those gaps are? Yes. I just wanted to ask you, do you think we are lacking in those two areas, power and bravery, which I think that bravery is about like feeling okay and confident to be assertive. And that's considered brave because of gender roles. Like we're sort of, whether it's conscious or subconsciously taught to sort of be quiet, be nice, be kind, don't rock the boat. Is that where you think that comes from? I want to talk a little bit about that. I need to share this. And if men are listening again, this is not to bash men, but I learned a lot about this interviewing a best-selling author and couples therapist who's you know, famous for understanding patriarchy. So let me just Mm -hmm. tell you what I think. Yeah. We live in a patriarchal world. That's just what it is, especially in corporate America. Yeah. Where men dominate at senior levels. Yeah. In a patriarchal world, as, as Terry Real explained, we split ourselves in half. We all know what it means to be masculine and feminine. And I'm putting that in quotes because they're rigid gender stereotypes. Yes. What is the masculine? Strong, assertive, not vulnerable, doesn't show emotions, gets it done. Yes. Yes. Powerful. What is feminine? Soft, malleable, pleasing, Mm. puts Mm. others first, doesn't brag, Mm. is not assertive, is not confident. So, Mm. you know, the problem is in a patriarchal world, both men and women suffer. And I want to tell you on my podcast, I just interviewed an amazing guy, Mark Green, who is all about what is it to build healthy masculinity and the battle against the man box culture. I want to tell you that I cried on the podcast and he cried about from age three on what boys are taught that men are. A lot of men were raised, you can't cry or you're weak. You can't cry, no connection. Yeah. You can't be sissy. Yeah. You can't be a lot of things. All right, so we're all suffering. But I also interviewed two amazing people, Claire Shipman and Caddy Kay. A yeah. lot of people have heard of Caddy Kay. Yeah. They've written amazing books on confidence. And I'll just give one statistic. By age 12, one third of girls' confidence goes away. I believe that. And that's so scary, it's but exactly I believe exactly what you said. We go underground. We used to think as children, young children, that we could be leaders. We could be astronauts. We can do what we want. Sure. As we hit 12 and 13, it goes underground. We become very worried about our body image. Mm-hmm. Social media is incredibly impactful. We don't oh, God, yeah. up as much. The confidence goes away. Yeah. So to me, it's a patriarchal uh, okay. problem. Yeah. I was just curious and I just wanted to bring up that point. Yeah. I just well, feel like, like the whole etymology of it kind of is rooted, you know? Yes. Every once in a while, it doesn't happen much anymore, but someone will say to me, aren't you blaming the victim? 
And I need to be really clear. I'm not blaming the victim. What I'm doing here is giving as many tools as I can to uplift us out of being a victim. Yeah. That we can't continue like this. Yeah. That men need to be whole and women need to be whole. Women need to be powerful and assertive, but also soft and pleasing whenever you choose. Right. Yes. Yes. But well, not when, when it's prescribed that this is how we have to be. Yeah. Like I have a mantra lately, which is that, yeah, I'm a mother. I'm the daughter. I, I'm the character. I'm this. I'm all that. I'm all those roles. Right. And then I say, but guess what? Like I'm a human being also. Mm, right. So like we're human that. beings. We need to nourish, you know, ourselves. So That's man, it. woman, it doesn't matter. We both need that. So yeah. We both need all of it. We both need all. Yeah. Cause we're human. But it's as yeah. we read through these gaps, I think people will be nodding their heads fast and furiously that, you know, it's not easy to change your lifelong programming. That's why yes. like the coaching I do, the therapy, you know, lens helps because you don't just start speaking confidently. And assertively, you don't just do that. Yes. It's, I just, I run a course and yesterday was the first session of the spring course. At the end of it, I say, what are you all feeling? And they said two things, excited and I'm afraid. Yeah. Because we're afraid to step out of this comfort zone that is no longer comfortable, you know? Yeah, it's true. And there's times that I've been assertive, even in my business, like kind of recently, and I had to assert myself and it was even not even to a man, to a woman. And I'm sure I came off as a total B and I'm sure that word was thrown around about me that day. But I even said at the end of the conversation, I have to say this to you yeah. and I'm sorry if it's coming across with too much passion or whatever it is, but like, you need to know you crossed a line and it wasn't okay. I love that. And it was a business thing. And I don't think that it was received great, but I had to say it. I, I mean, it. and I said, the message is the same. Like this message has to be heard. I love know? it. And I, I feel so good because years ago when I was younger and in my twenties, I couldn't do it. I couldn't oh. speak up for myself. Well, it took time to get that love way. It. Yeah. You know what I found at age 60, mm. I had to speak up for myself in my corporate VP job and, you know, all those years, but I would leave body parts in my wake. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So the only way I could do it was harshly. Yeah. Now at all this ripe age, I have learned, and sometimes we have to be, you know, we have to make that, draw that line in a way that is unequivocal and that right. can sound firm, harsh. Right, right. But I have learned how to do it now. You can be very powerful and very gentle at the same time. Yes. Like- Listen, I understand that you perhaps felt that what you did was copacetic from where I stand. It isn't. And let me explain why. Yes. And that really can't continue. I once had a client who wrote me an email trashing me. You know, you said we were going to do this and you said I was going to do this. And I really was proud of how I handled it. I wrote him back. I hear that you're very angry. I hear that clearly. Number two, thanks for outlining what you think isn't going well. I don't see it that way. Let me explain how I see it. Yeah. And I said, let's get on the phone, but I will tell you this. I will not get another email from you like this. And if I do, we're done. And as you know, I don't give refunds. And then I said, I would like you to do this. I would like you to read what you just sent me as if you were receiving it. And you tell me how you experience it. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, I thought it was good. That clarity, you know, that moment I thought, okay, that works. And he wrote back the next day, I, I'm mortified. 
I'm I sorry. Know. We, yeah. So I felt like I was firm, but there was some love and compassion in there, you know? Yeah. Well, I even in my communication realized I was a little passionate at the beginning of the call. And I sure. actually stopped myself and I said, I want you to forgive my tone of voice because oh. I don't always hear it. And it may not be coming across very well to you right now because I'm feeling a little heated right at wow. the moment. How but I said, there. but I said the message is the same. And then I continued to talk and sort of calm myself a little further. I mean, I wasn't totally off the rails, but I was definitely like, yeah, you know, it pressed. I was honestly, I was pissed. So I was, <laughs> yeah, and I'm Italian. And so <laughs> if me you push too. me far Italian enough, the Greek. passion of that comes out. But yes, even better practice, like you said, of, you know, just really being in a calmer place when you have the communication, I think is a great, great. I mean, I think why that's important is you're going to be heard in a better way. I mean, either way, you're getting it across, but we don't want to burn bridges. And no, and I I don't ever want to. But yeah, good for you. All right. I tried, tried to catch myself. And that was amazing. (laughs) Self-awareness. Good for you. Life preserver. (laughs) Shall I share the seven gaps? Yeah, let's go ahead. All right. And what I'm going to do is give you the number, the percentage who said in the survey that they have this gap. Okay. Okay. And they said, yes, or maybe if you say, maybe you have it, trust me on that. All right. So the first is not recognizing your special talents, abilities, and accomplishments. Mm. 68% said they have this. Frankly, it's a hundred percent. Women, I see this over and over you know, they're at the UN, they're epidemiologists, they're neuroscientists, but they don't see what they're amazing at. They don't understand that every one of us is amazing, like a thumbprint, so special, so unique. So they don't see what they're great at, but also they don't want to say they're great at anything. And I certainly don't mean we need to trot out and be braggarts. Yeah. On LinkedIn, for instance, I can look at a person in five minutes. I can see where they're hiding, where they don't understand their gifts and talents, where they're not talking about the outcomes. Yeah. So if you don't understand how you're special and you don't understand the impact of your talents, you will not thrive at the highest level. You won't. That's number one. Number two is communicating from fear, not strength. It's exactly what we're talking about. 70% said they have this. Why? Because we're trained not to. I've done a lot of research on this. We're trained not to be forceful because we sound scary. Mm -hmm. We sound like the biatch or (laughs) we're scared of offending people. We're scared. Yeah. We have to change. Now, I need to say this. I'm not saying we act more like men. I'm saying we act like strong women. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number three is reluctance to ask for what you deserve. 77%. So let me give one. That's a big one that I see. It's everywhere. It's pervasive. Here's a stat. 57% of men in one study right out of business school negotiated their very first salary and 7% of women. Heartbreaking. Yeah. If we are not saying, hey, you know, this job is so exciting for me. And, you know, I would love to talk about compensation. If we don't know how to do it, if we don't know how to build the case with facts, not emotionally, but with facts and data, we're losing out, not just, you know, compared to men, but compared to our own highest potential. So that would apply to asking for a raise too, right? For a raise, for a promotion, asking for help from your partner, from your kids, from your staff, asking for what you deserve. Yeah. Interesting. Ah. Number four is isolating from influential support. 
How many people? 71% of women say they have this. What this means is the research shows that women can be great networkers, but they're missing out on one thing. It's awesome to have mentors, but what we need even more are sponsors, which are mentors, people who guide and support, but they have power. They have clout. Mm. They open doors that you cannot open for yourself. When I look at any degree of the success I've had about anything, the books I've written or the podcast or whatever, or this award, or it's because someone opened a door for me. Someone introduced me or someone had something good to say or an endorsement. Yeah. Right. We don't build amazing, joyful, rewarding careers on our own. Yeah. So my dear mentor sponsor, Judy Robinette, wrote a book about power networking. And she says that women network in the wrong room, meaning they stay at the level, you know, they're networking with women who are at their level. You need to network up. And I can't tell you how many women say this just makes me very nervous. Yeah. You know, I'm big on LinkedIn. So obviously it's reach out to people 10 steps ahead of you and be of service to them. Share their thought leadership. Don't just ask for help. But once you've gotten on their radar, you know, ask if you could have a conversation. They say, I'm scared to do that. Why are they ever going to respond to me? And you have very good examples of this when people dive into your book and your podcast. And I'll just briefly touch on one quick example, but there was somebody you knew and there was like a lunch and learn. And she had an opportunity when she got into the room to sit next to the head guy, the CEO, and she had every opportunity to do it. It would have been fine. And she put herself like 10 seats away. That's it. I said, you went to the lunch and learn with the CEO. Yeah. You sat next to him. No, I sat as far as away from him as I could. See, so that's just one. I'll just brush stroke that, but people could read further about this, but I just wanted to give some, give, you know, an example. And and we've all done that. I think at one point or another, I know I did. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. It's intimidating to do these things, but you bring up a really good point. Every woman I work with, it's about stretching beyond your comfort zone. And they say, I'm afraid. And I say, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, (laughs) I know. So what? I mean, I'm nicer than that, but the point is you're going to be afraid. Yeah. You got to do it anyway. You got to do it. You've got to do it. And then you get so much better at all of these things. And then you're, it's so easy. And I think about it. My husband would have walked right up to that CEO talked about something, whatever, shook his hand and sat right down with him. It wouldn't have even been a thought. No. Now I do know there are introverts and extroverts. I'm an extrovert. I work with a lot of introverts and introverts. Sometimes the way they process information, they find it difficult to on the fly, come up with something to say. So Mm -hmm. you prepare, you prepare while the CEO man or woman is speaking, you write down a few notes about what really spoke to you. And that's what you go up and say, you know, we can do it people. We can do it. Number five is acquiescing instead of saying stop to mistreatment. Mm, That's a big one. Now, interestingly, 48% of people in the survey said they have it. It's more than that. Mm. The numbers are staggering about how many women have been sexually harassed. Yep. Gender bias. I have been sexually harassed. I write about it in the book. It's just heartbreaking. Yep. And speaking of acquiescing, I didn't think I could tell anyone about the senior guy doing this because I I felt I would have been pushed out. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. He sent me an email right before I was laid off after 9-11. I'm having a party in a few weeks. I'd love you to come. I can't wait to see you naked in the pool. Oh, my. And Jill, what did I do? As I was leaving the company, I deleted the email. Oh, my God. Honestly, it took me 20 years to understand why I deleted it. But yeah, I know it's fear, why. right? It's two things. It's almost worse than that. Fear 
mm-hmm. but relief to I'm done with this guy. But number three, listen to the sadness of this. I don't think it's fair to come back around after I've left the company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did go to a lawyer and I'll tell you not about that, about other things. And I got a settlement and it went very well. But I told the lawyer, I don't have the email. He said, I don't understand. Why would you have deleted the smoking gun? Yeah, really. I think it was because I didn't think it would be fair to come back around yep. and have him be punished when I didn't do it during the time that it happened. And honestly, people listen to this. I don't think it would be fair. How about two years of this behavior? Was that fair? So what Terry Real, the fellow I talked about before, said, he noticed in a patriarchal world where there's a dominant culture and a minority culture, subdominant culture, whether that's parents and children or what I'm talking about, the non-dominant party protects the dominant one. It makes, by the way, it makes sense. Mm. So I want, Interesting. I know, heartbreaking. I want yeah. us all to do the hard work of looking at, am I being mistreated? Yeah. And when you are, you often don't understand, like, what's happening here? Is this sexual harassment? Is this gender bias? What is right. this? What is it? Yeah. Well, then you go get help to figure out what it is. Yeah. A lawyer, or if you can talk to HR, sometimes you can't. Yeah. Sometimes HR you can't. Always your friend is no. always your friend at all. Yeah. Or you go talk to your boss, but no, I've talked to my boss and they were actually so not helpful. Yeah. But I'm asking you to recognize, is there mistreatment either to others or to me? Yeah. And what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Wow. Number six, this is the one that most everyone says is the most pressing. 76% have this losing sight of the thrilling dream of who you were going to be. No, oh, it makes me sad. I know. <laughs> and that was me. 18 years of, is this what I'm going to do? Chronic illness, you know, toxic colleagues, narcissistic bosses, work that meant nothing to me, serving oh. outcomes that didn't matter to me. And when we've done it, and we know why we do it, yeah. We get out of the gate. We're thinking, well, I need a job. I need a good job. Oh, I got promoted. Oh, I want to make more money. Oh, I bought the house. Now I've got kids and you're 40 and you wake up and it happens earlier too. But you think to yourself, I hate this. Yeah. But what am I going to do? Start over? And also yeah. people think, well, what am I going to do? Be a singer in the band? They have no idea what they can do. So they think they have to throw everything out Yeah. and lose everything, which is just not true. Yeah. Hard. And then the final one, which I truly see almost every woman I meet with, is allowing past trauma or challenge to define you. Yeah. So someone said you were stupid. You got laid off. You got passed over. You bombed out on a project. Even as little as, not little, it's traumatic. You know, you stood up on stage and you gave a presentation and it didn't go well and you've Mm -hmm. internalized it and you aren't healed from it. And that's 62% say that, but truly in working with people, it's so much more than that. We don't recognize, like when I was laid off after 9-11, it took me years not to feel like a loser. Yeah. Like a total loser. And then I I realized, wait a minute here. I was there two years in this vice president job. I was promoted once, big raise, 
big promotion. I did big things. Yes. Just because you were laid off. And truly, I believe, I will never know, but I believe I was laid off. It was 9-11. They laid off 100 people. Yeah, there were a lot of layoffs then. And I was one of the highest paid VPs. Right. So So they're looking to cut money. Yeah, they needed to trim. Yeah. So often how we internalize these things is not correct. That's right. We make it that we're a loser. Yeah, we make a whole story that we believe that's all a big lie, (laughs) which I talk about a lot with my audience too, just mindset, even getting your house done. I mean, the lies we tell ourselves is amazing. Wow. It's funny how our brains do that. I want to, I would love to hear uh, that podcast. Yeah, I do a lot. About what you're telling about your house. Yes, because- Well, you listen, you're going through a big life transition. You're moving from a major city to a suburb, which is a very different lifestyle. But now you've got like double, triple the amount of square footage. And you're like, I could never get enough furniture. I don't have enough money. I don't know what it costs. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. All those thoughts just make it so that you don't accomplish your goal. It's like anything else in life. And it takes all the joy out of it instead that of- That too. And it should be an enjoyable, happy right, experience. Right. Look yeah. what I'm going to learn and curiosity. Right. And, right. and look at the uh, new, the type of life we're now going to build for our family and look at all the positive sides. But change is hard. Moving is a big life stressor anyway. And so, yeah. Anyway, wow, we t- I talk a lot about that. Yeah. Fascinating. Cool, right? Really cool. Yes. Did you just do get up uh, gap seven? I lost track. Yes, or gap seven was that. You past, did it. Yep, okay. That something happening to you. I do want to say this as well. I believe, and I saw this in my therapeutic world, you are what your childhood taught you to be mm. unless you have unlearned it and healed it. I don't mean everybody's childhood is bad. What I mean is we learned things in order to cope or thrive in our families. Yep. Or we mimicked behavior that we then realized like, hmm, that might not be like the healthiest for that me to not be, be or think that me. way. Yeah. And I can, I can decide maybe that's, that was them, but that's not going to be me. That's right. It. Yeah. And, you know, pushing it a little further, I work with people who end up realizing they had narcissism in their family. Yes. And when I talk about that, I mean a narcissistic personality disorder and mm-hmm. uh, there are hallmarks of that, but yeah, it is when you grew up with emotionally manipulative parents and look, I'm not blaming everyone's doing the best they can and narcissists and emotionally manipulative people were wounded themselves. But when you grew up with love that was conditional, Mm -hmm. I had to look a certain way, be a certain way. I Mm -hmm. had to be number one on the soccer team. I had to go to Harvard. I had to take chemistry in school. I've had so many people tell me my parents told me they wouldn't pay for a college education if I didn't become a lawyer, engineer, if you have that kind of love, yep. you are struggling. Yep. You're going to be struggling. Very much Because so. it's not, you didn't get what you needed. That's right. So a lot of people had that kind of past as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important to release that and move forward. Looking for a space-saving idea for an extra bed in your home or a multi-purpose room? Well, you're going to want to consider the Lori Wall Bed. It is a Murphy bed that is a bed when it's down and it's a shelf when it's up. You also can assemble it all on your own. It is made from 100% real wood. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. It comes in various finishes like white, walnut, clear coat, and unfinished. On the unfinished, you can make it whatever you want, any paint color, any stain. There's free shipping throughout the U.S., 
it is delivered in three to seven business days. Well, that's unheard of right now. Nothing's coming in three to seven days. It comes with print and video assembly instructions, and prices start at $799. You can order one today at lauriwallbeds.com or click in the show notes for the link. Lori Wallbed is the perfect solution to needing a bed anywhere at any time. Looking for a space-saving idea for an extra bed in your home or a multi-purpose room? Well, you're going to want to consider the Lori Wallbed. It is a Murphy bed that is a bed when it's down and it's a shelf when it's up. You also can assemble it all on your own. It is made from 100% real wood. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. It comes in various finishes like white, walnut, clear coat, and unfinished. On the unfinished, you can make it whatever you want, any paint color, any stain. There's free shipping throughout the U.S. It is delivered in three to seven business days. Well, that's unheard of right now. Nothing's coming in three to seven days. It comes with print and video assembly instructions, and prices start at $799. You can order one today at lauriwallbeds.com or click in the show notes for the link. Lori Wallbed is the perfect solution to needing a bed anywhere at any time. I just want to give everyone a question to see, did I get something in childhood that is still with me that Tony Robbins has a documentary, I Am Not Your Guru. Mm. And in it, I'm watching it and he's standing in front of 2000 people and he says this, who did you crave love most from in your childhood and who did you have to be to get it? Ooh. That and I just want to chills. say, <laughs> oh, I went, so the answer for me was I had to be obedient for my Greek mom. Yeah. I felt I had to be brilliant for my dad because he was brilliant. Phi Beta Kappa, photographic memory, seven patents. Wow. Now, mom's still alive. And I said to her, I'm going to have to write this. I'm writing this in the book, mom. What do you think if I say I felt like I had to be obedient? She's 96, right? And she's overcome COVID. She's amazing. And she's been such a such staunch supporter. There was hesitation on the phone. There was quiet. And I went, oh, no, I'm going to get it. And she <laughs> said, yeah, I can see that you would think you had to be obedient. That's how I grew up, she said. You don't challenge your elders. I almost cried because I didn't want to anger her, but it's how I grew up. Yeah. Dad, of course, he's in heaven. I can't ask him. But if he were sitting here and I said, did you feel I had to be brilliant for you to love me? He'd say, no, I loved every." part of you. Yeah. So I want you all to know it's not necessarily objective fact we're talking about. It's the feeling you got. I see. That makes good sense. He would look at my grades and say, you know, all A's and an A minus. And yeah. he'd say, good. And what happened there? He yeah. wasn't trying to be mean. Yeah. But the message I got was I'm not good enough unless it's all A's. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. <sighs> that's a good way to look at it. I hope that's helpful to people. I think it will be. So you talk about the gaps and then you can close these gaps you refer it to, right? So how do you close some of them? Well, the very first thing is I would suggest you take my power gap survey, which maybe Jill, you can link to, to even figure out which one is most pressing. And, you know, you're just going to answer, you're going to see the description and answer. Yes, no, maybe, but let's take, why don't you let me know which two or three resonate most for you, Jill? or your audience. And then I'll talk about some gap closing things we can do. Right. So I think the first one for sure. Great. Is a big I'd love. I'd love to start there. Yeah. So I we could even just use one as an example, okay. but, and, and people well, can dive into your book and podcast for more. Love it. 
Yeah. Love it. But I can give one tip for each of these. So okay, sure. that way too. Number one, not recognizing your special talent. So I have this thing. It's free career path assessment. It doesn't give you a score. It's not a rating. It's 11 pages of questions. I wish someone had asked me when I yeah. was 21. Yep. And if I had answered them honestly, I don't think I would have made a lot of the mistakes I made in my career. Meaning it asks you, what were you great at in childhood? Look at every job you ever had, what you loved, what you hated, what you never want to do again, your greatest struggles, your greatest accomplishments, and rate it on a scale of... And what's amazing is when people are wanting a pivot or they're miserable in their career, they often forget that three jobs ago, they rated it a 10. They loved it. <laughs> I'm like, you loved this job. Look at what this was. Yeah. Why'd we move away from that? And there's always reasons. Well, I got a promotion over here or 20 grand more over here. Yeah. So I want you to look at, take this thing, career path assessment, and look at the common themes. What has repeated in your life? Yes. Good, bad, and the ugly. What repeats you are co-creating. Yeah. But I want you to answer this survey and then go back and objectively look at it and you will recognize, wow, I did that. Like one of my clients said the other day, I said, what are your amazing skills? And she said, "I I don't know. I don't really. And then I dug it out of her. She helps airlines market and sell airplanes. Wow. Or the aerospace industry market and sell. That's it. I said, hang on a minute. You actually help organizations sell their airplanes, their products in space and, you know, the airline industry. And she said, yeah. I said, do you recognize that almost no one can do that job? If I walked in today yeah. To do that job, I would be fired by noon. <laughs> I'd probably be fired. Look at what you've done. Yeah. I mean, Jill, could I do your job? No. I mean, I, people would be like, okay, she's a nice woman, but she doesn't know anything. <laughs> you know, if I tried to do your job, this is what I want you to see, that yeah. you're brilliant in the niche that you have. That's yeah. the tip. That might be cool for women too, who might've left the workforce for a little bit and coming back in. Don't you think that's a good thing too for them? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, Jill, we talked about this too. If you're leaving the workforce or have, what I suggest you to do is keep your foot in the working world. And I'm going to say something probably inflammatory, but that doesn't just mean volunteer work. Yep. Because I'm going to say this. Your volunteer work is important and it's leveraging your skills, but there is nothing that replaces negotiating your value with money. Yeah. That's where it's hard. Yes. So if you could do one project consulting project, one internship where there's money being exchanged, where it's truly a job. Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I raised two Mm. kids. That's a job. Oh, (laughs) but I hope people will hear me when I say when you have to negotiate your value for money. Yes. It continues to build your confidence. I think that very much. I think also women having some of their own money is really important. My mom taught me that my mom was an entrepreneur and for her generation, that was really very rare. Wow. So I had a really nice role model because she had her own business and she still works. She's 81. What was her business? She is an antiquarian and auctioneer. Oh, yeah. So I I grew up. That was a male dominated field in so long ago, wasn't it? Oh, she could tell you stories. Well, everything was so male dominated about it. Because think about it. She's 81. So for her, I mean, she started off her first career. She was a nurse. She loved nursing, but she left nursing once she had my brother and 
you know, became wow. full-time mom for a bit. And then to make money on the side would go to garage sales. She had a great eye for like things that were valuable and she'd resell and it wow. became extra money for my parents. And that's kind of how it started, but it grew into a really big, successful business. She had a full auction house and did estates. And I mean, it was a whole thing. Oh and so I goodness. always saw my mother work and she always told me like, always have a little stash of your mad money. She used to call it just mm -hmm. a little mad money. That's just yours that nobody has to question you about. And that was really nice advice. And what you're also touching on is look in a marriage, in a partnership, there's a power dynamic. Yeah. And if you are not uh, contributing money at all, mm -hmm. it's often that you've lost power in that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. It's all really, really good stuff. I also think too, with the way technology is moving so fast that if you don't keep your toe in the water in something that when you try to market yourself back into the workforce, if you don't have those you know, certain skills, it's just going to be that much bigger of a learning curve. You're right. Don't you Five think? years in oh, our God. current situation is like 50 years. I it's mean, huge. I, you know, I have to, I have a tech manager, but my goodness, what I have to learn to do, HTML coding and the, you know, WordPress. Yeah. And I get very daunted. Like I just got onto Instagram. I've been on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, but I'm like, what? This is so different. And I get overwhelmed and then learn it, Kathy. Yes. On. Yes. And of course I have help, but get on in there and learn it. Learn. I know. How. And I've learned a lot too. And it's been like a little mini master's degree the last couple of years. Cause I've really shifted my business to a lot of digital platform and courses yeah. and, but it's been wonderful, but I feel like I've, I've received like a whole other master's in business now, <laughs> but you, it's you cool, have. but That's I like it. it. It's been great for my mind and it's no. been exciting, but I do realize that if I had you know, that many more years home full-time with the kids. Cause I was home full-time for about six years. Technology is moving even faster than it did oh then. Goodness. I mean, you'd be really lost. So I do think keeping your toe in as far as your skill set too. And even if it means like on your own time, like taking some extra classes in PowerPoint or Excel or WordPress or whatever. And that way you can go and say, I've been home, but I'm up to date on WordPress. I can build websites or whatever it is that you do. Or I got a certificate in da, 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 da. In whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think that that is a really helpful thing too. I totally agree. Yeah. Great tip. I know. So this has all been like amazing. The last couple points I had, we already sort of touched on, I think. But one thing I do want to mention is with COVID, I don't know if you've seen these reports, there's something like over 2 million women have left the workforce. And these uh, have been breadwinners also. And what happened was, I think being home, as great as it was in terms of giving them some flexibility with distance learning with their kids, everyone's home at the same time, having to cook more meals at home, they couldn't do it all. Right. And the, they had to leave their career. And I'm really passionate about that because, oh gosh, like it's, it's not fair. It's I mean, not. it bothers me. I was just wondering what you have to say about that with women in the workforce with COVID now and how that's shifted because everyone's been home so long and out of their office. It's such a big topic. And, and I've interviewed a few people who, and you can find those on, I can send the links uh, on my Forbes blog that COVID has hit women so much harder in so many ways. Yes. And black women even more. Yes. Uh, it's, you know, even domestic violence, so on the rise, substance abuse, so on the rise. Yeah. And, you know, 
my research has showed that women, even the primary breadwinners who are women are doing 75% of the domestic work. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. And it's interesting. There is a study that men say they've stepped up and are doing, you know, 50% more, but the women in their lives say, no, they're not. Interesting. It isn't shifting. So there's perception and then there's reality. and, And of course it's somewhere in between. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about balance, you know, it's funny. A lot of people want to banish this word, this term, Mm -hmm. and they say there is no such thing as work-life balance. I don't agree with that. I think there is no such thing as work-life balance if you think you're going to be Buddha on the mountain, calm as can be, (laughs) and, and never stressed and never exhausted. That's absurd. But I do believe in balance. And what is balance? You can't have everything at the same time. You simply can't. Like, let me give an example. If someone just had a baby three weeks ago and they come to me and they say, now I want to launch my entrepreneurial venture, I'll say, I'll help you. But as a consultant, I'm going to tell you, you already launched something, your infant. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's going to be really hard for you. So can we have what we want in life? Yes. Over the arc of it. Yes. But So right now, the way I view balance is this is what I think women don't do so well. We have to determine the utmost priorities in our life that we would give up anything for. Mm -hmm. And those have to come first. Yeah. So, you know, for some women, for instance, they're seeing their kids struggle. Yeah. My kids are 23 and 26, but I remember saying, I went to an event where there were two CEO sisters and one of them said, when my kids were young, I was in California and they were in New Jersey and I would phone in reading them a bedtime story. Yeah. And I remember, and this is not judging, we all have to live the life that we believe is right. But I remember thinking, I don't want to phone in the bedtime story. I know. And I made a decision that I probably wasn't going to rise higher than vice president because I didn't want to blow parenting the way I perceive I wanted to be a parent. So in these days, I think we do have to, if that's what is most important to you, I need to see my kids thriving. Yeah. Then you do that. But to your point, what's unfair is that it continues to fall more heavily on the field. Yeah. And then they feel forced out of the job is what bothers me. I don't want anyone to feel forced out of it, but I think it goes back to what we spoke about before. And we've spoke about previously is that you have to be able to communicate to your spouse. There you go. And say, this is what I need. And if I don't get it, I'm not going to be as good of a human to any of this family. So maybe the conversation is, I need your help with X and X three times a week because I don't want to leave my job because if I leave my job, I'm losing a part of who I am. Possibly. Okay. There's and right. And so I do think it's important to be able to have the conversation and say, how can we work as a team to make this work? I love it. And that is power gap number two, communicating from fear, not strength. Yeah. So many women don't want to have that conversation, don't know how to have that conversation. And I'm going to say this as a former marriage and family therapist, I want to say this to people. I would sit with a couple who was struggling. And for instance, the wife wanted to go back to work and the husband didn't want it. For instance. Yeah. I would look at them both and I would say, do you each want the other Mm -hmm. to become who that person wants to be? So Fred, do you want Mary to grow in the way she is telling you? If the answer is no, 
I don't think this bodes very well for your marriage. Yeah. If the way your spouse wants to grow and be in the world, you don't want to let them. Yeah. It almost makes me cry because it's such a loving thing to want for somebody. And I also feel very lucky because I have a husband who really loves independent women. (laughs) And I don't know if I knew that going in, but I knew he was a really good guy. But, (laughs) but I mean, yeah, I guess if I was in that position and, and I, and I had to ask that question of my spouse and I really felt that he didn't, it makes me sad. Yeah. You know, Sheryl Sandberg wrote years ago, the best thing you can do for your career is marry the right man. Yeah, boy. I think that's probably true. So Some of you will have that conversation and, you know, often your partner doesn't understand how much you're doing. They just don't understand and they will hear it and they'll want to help. Yeah. But some will not. Yeah, I know. And then we're going to have to figure out what to do. Yeah. Because otherwise you lose yourself. Otherwise you're living a life that it's not fully not within your control. Yeah. So I think that that could be another show. That's another what I show. To say. But <laughs> maybe but a marriage yes. and family therapist comes on for that yeah, one. Because- exactly. I mean, you know, that's a whole thing. Well, okay. this has been, I mean, I could do this for days. This is amazing. I'm going to let you let the audience know where to get everything as far as platforms and everything. Kathy has an amazing podcast, Finding Brave, which I love the title. I mean, I love that more than anything, your books and everything. So let everybody know where to find you and where to connect with you, because this has just been so fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. So the easiest is kathycaprino.com. The podcast is findingbrave.org because we don't just brave up. We find it every day. That's what that's about. I love that. And my book is The Most Powerful You, and you can find it pretty much anywhere, Amazon, anywhere you get books, you know, all over the world, it's there. And I'm excited that it's being translated into China. Chinese. And we have another language in the works. So I hope everyone finds that helpful. It's great. And all of this always is in the show notes for everybody. So we'll put it all in the show notes. It's just a click away to connect with Kathy, you guys. This has been amazing. I loved it. As I said, I could talk to you for days. You're wonderful. You too. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. So thank you. Thank you for coming on and you and I will connect soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really love doing it. And if you're enjoying it as much as I am, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you and I would love the support on the podcast. I happen to have on my website, if you go to jillcalmaninteriors.com, some great freebies for you. So I have your mini moving guide and this is all the things you might not think about, some little quick tips to get you settled and on your way to moving to the suburbs. I have a home planner, which is an amazing thing to help you plan out design because interior design sometimes falls at the bottom of the list once you've moved in and then you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because you haven't planned for it. So the planner helps you do just that. It's in a really easy, simplistic form. It's free to download and it'll help you reach your design goals. I also have a moving organizer. And before you move, you're gonna want to get this. This has all the checklists and all the pages you are going to need to Go through your home search, find the right home, get settled, and get through all those details. And that's available on my website for $29. So head on over. There's lots of freebies and lots of things for you there. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.